0: So uh, I was running. I didn't. I didn't think about it that way at the time, but clearly I was running from God. Now I was uh, just out of high school. I was a young man. I was going to local junior college. Uh, I was serving in the junior high ministry at my church, uh, volunteering there. And at the time, I was actually pursuing. A Business with my friend. He had started a computer business, and I was uh, working with him. And the reason I was running is because God had been calling me into full time ministry. But I didn't really see it as much as I wanted to, and I didn't want to admit it, but it was going against the grain of what I wanted for my life. See, see when I looked at my life, uh, because I was raised in a home where, you know, we, we didn't worship Christ. And so secular, you know, success was really the, 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 the margin, um, the, the metric for success. I, I was like, man, I, I want to make, I want to get a good job, make good money, and basically buy what I want when I want, and do what I want to do when I want to do it. That, that was really the, the trajectory of my heart. And so as a young Christian that God was nodding on my heart and calling me, there was this confliction out. And so really I had one foot in one boat, which was, no, I want to live for myself and what I want to do. And I had another foot in another boat, which as a, as a Christian, I'm like, but I want God's will done in my life, and I want to do what God wants to do. Well, you know what happens when you have a foot in each boat, right? So eventually those boats start to drift apart, and I don't care how good you are at the splits, at some point in time, you're going to have to pick a boat. And I was picking a boat, my boat. I wanted my boat. And so it was all about doing what I wanted, pursuing what I wanted, and all those things. But I also wanted to be part of what God was doing and reaching others, and I loved working with students. And so there was this moment, there was this defining moment of surrender in my life. And I was in my parents' house, I was up in my bedroom, I was at the desk, I was working on a computer sale, and I was having a conversation with God, a little bit of worship music in the background, and summarized, this was how my conversation with God basically went. God, here's what I want to do. I want a good job to make good money just to provide for my family and have a lot of comfort. I want, I want a comfortable life, Lord, and I want to serve you on the side as well. And it was one of those moments like God's voice spoke to me. It wasn't here. It wasn't an audible in my ear. I, I'd love to have one of those. Those are so cool. Um, but it was an audible here. It was the Lord's voice right in my spirit, and he said, You can do that, and you'll be happy. But if you serve me with your life, I'll give you joy. And it was, it was like checkmate, game over. I just, I, I was tired of running away from God's call and I ran to God's call. I picked up my phone. See, all, the, all my loved ones, all my friends, family, they, they saw this writing on the wall long before I did. They would remind me and like, yeah, whatever, whatever. And I picked up the phone, I called my youth pastor. I said, hey, God's calling me into full-time ministry. He's like, duh. I said, well, what's the next step? He says, well, I thought you'd never call. And we started talking about next steps to pursue full-time ministry. I then picked up my phone called my friend. And I said, hey man, I'm out. I'm out, I'm not going to be doing this business anymore. And that that call didn't go so well. Because in order to be faithful to the Lord, it's going to involve personal sacrifice at some level. And so that was a difficult moment. But I was tired of running from God. I wanted to be faithful. A faithful heart's going to run to God's call, not away from God's call. Where are you running? So some of you have had those defining moments too, I hope. Where, where you were running from God, maybe he was pursuing you just for a relationship, just to be saved, just to, to forgive your sins and to, to stop you know, trying to fix yourself and, and you turn to Christ and maybe stop stopped running at that point and turned to him. But, but likely, some of you right now, whether you're watching online or whether you're here, you're running somewhere in your God. There's somewhere in your life that you're saying no to God. It might be related to your, your marriage, your sexuality, um, you know, your ethics or something. There might be an area where you're saying, no, God, I'm not gonna do that. And so you're choosing to run away from God instead of running to God. My encouragement to you is you need to start running to God. And I'm so glad that I'm part of a community of faith that we as a community say, we don't want to run away from God's call. We want to run to God's call. And that's one of the reasons we're going to be looking at the book of Jonah for the next five weeks. Because when you look at Jonah, you see a couple things. One, you see God's relentless heart to reach the lost. You see, God's passion, he'll go to no limits to reach lost people. He's got a mission. But then you also see how when God invited someone into that mission, what his reaction was, and his reaction was run away from the mission. And so no matter where you're at spiritually right now, there are lessons for us in Jonah to take away. And so we're going to be spending the next five weeks in Jonah, but more than just launching a teaching series today, today is the kickoff to a two-year initiative as a church. As a church, we say, God's always calling us to, to advance his kingdom. What's God calling us to next? And we're a church that wants to take hills for Jesus. We don't want to just sit back and do church. And so really, this is a two-year initiative we're kicking off about how we feel God has called us to make a bigger difference in our, with our neighbors, with the nations, and with the next generations, and it's called Unleash. Now, all of you have an Unleash companion guide in front of you. Um, you type A's have probably already read it, and you could probably teach from it, um, I'm going to encourage you, don't get distracted by this right now. For now, in the back, there's, there's some sermon note space. You can use that. I'll, I'll open this up at the end of my time with you and tell you a little bit more about details. But other than the Bible... This is going to be a very important resource for you over the next five, six weeks. We want you to really know the information in here and and the heart that's behind it. Because the heart behind it is not to run from God's call, but to run to God's call because we want to be faithful. And so we're launching this two-year initiative called Unleashed. And Unleashed is all about reaching at a greater level, unleashing our potential, unleashing our resources at a greater level to reach the next generation, to reach the nations, and to reach our neighbors. That's what we're about. And so we're going to look at this book of Jonah, we're going to look at this life of Jonah and extract lessons that can apply to us individually and also to us as a body as we kick off Unleashed. So open up your Bibles right now to the book of Jonah chapter 1. Jonah chapter 1, find yourself there. Uh, We're just going to be looking at the first three verses this morning, it shouldn't take too long, right? (laughs) Jonah's a great book. And just look at those first three verses with me this morning in your Bibles, in your Bible apps. By the way, if you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one uh, for free. There's Bibles out in the information area and in the, in the um, front desk. We'll just give you one if you don't have one. Jonah chapter 1, let's look at this. Now, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But... Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish, say that 10 times fast, from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. Then he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Now, let's just answer some very basic questions as we kick off the series uh, looking at Jonah. Now, Jonah was a major prophet of Israel. He lived during the reign of Judah's king, Jeroboam II, who was an evil king who ruled over the 10 northern tribes of Israel during the 8th century. Uh, You can see a reference to Jonah in 2 Kings 14.25. It kind of speaks about who he was and and how he was prophesying at the time. Now, there's been dispute over the kind of literature in which Jonah and his narrative should be interpreted. Now, some say, and the skeptic says, this is fiction, this is myth. Some guy getting swallowed by a fish, seriously, I wasn't born last night. You know? And so the skeptic is going to say, total fiction. But some theologians say that this is a uh, parable or allegory or a satire, that that there's a a story here that has deeper meaning and that there's not a literal nature to it, but more of a uh, satirical and allegorical nature to it. And then some theologians say that it's historical, literal narrative. Personally, I take the stance of historical narrative. For me, I see the details of his life as seen in 2 Kings. I see the book of Jonah speaking to a real person interacting with other real historical people and other real historical places that lived in a time period in a real town just five miles north of modern day Nazareth. Even Jesus spoke of him as a real person. When you look at the Dead Sea Scrolls that have been found, you know, all these preserved scrolls from the ancient Bible, uh, you see the narrative of Jonah within those scrolls, and so when we see the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, I believe we're talking about a real person and a real narrative. That's who Jonah was. Now, what did God call Jonah to do? And this was a call from God. When you look at verse one, it says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, meaning God called him. And so we know God calls us, God calls us through his word, to certain lifestyles, certain actions. God calls us through his spirit, And so God was calling him. What did God tell Jonah to do? To go about 500 miles north to Nineveh, which is modern-day Iraq, and preach. Go to Nineveh and preach. Verse 2 says, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. Go to Nineveh. Well, let's talk a little bit about Nineveh for a minute. Uh, Nineveh at the time was the capital of the Assyrian Empire. It was located along the banks of the Tigris River, and perhaps it was the largest of the ancient cities uh, at the time. Jonah 3, we'll see later, it took Jonah three days to walk the city. The city was massive for an ancient city. It was called a great city, great in size, great in population. They estimate over like 600,000 people were there. It was great in power. It was great in influence. And it was great in evil. It was a very evil city. Uh, They they worshipped a lot of pagan gods. And with worship of pagan gods becomes practices that are very detestable to God. And so we see, for example, there was the goddess Ishtar, the goddess of love and fertility. Well, Worship there involved all sorts of immoral sexual acts and temple prostitution. There was the worship of Dagon, who uh, worship included human sacrifice. So obviously God would take issues with these things. Also, Nineveh was known for great violence. Nineveh was perhaps one of the most violent and bloody cities in history. They were notorious for their cruelty and the monstrous treatment that uh, they gave, the killing, the torture of those they conquered. Archaeologists have excavated uh, large panels down in Nineveh. And on those panels, there would be these depictions of scenes where people were dismembered and beheaded and skinned and burned and impaled. And and this is how they took care of people. This is not your Sunday school version of Jonah, right? Seemed to leave out some of those details. So Nineveh was a massive city, a real city, and it was a cruel city. The Ninevites make ISIS look like juvenile amateurs. It was no wonder that God said, enough. So God told Jonah to go and preach that he was done with their sin and with their evil and with their pagan worship and was about to bring destruction upon them if they did not change their ways. Jonah, go preach to Nineveh. And Jonah was enthusiastic about that invitation, right? How would you respond? How would you take on a call like that? And here's what we need to pick up right away. Don't miss this. It says a lot about God's heart that he would even send Jonah to Nineveh. Jonah is the only Old Testament prophet we know of that God sent to a foreign nation. God could justifiably just wiped out the Ninevites. He could have looked at all the, the, the filth and the evil and just said, I'm not even gonna waste my time. Sodom and Gomorrah, done, boom, over. He could have done that, right? But he didn't. He gave them a warning shot. Like, he didn't have to send in Jonah, but he did. And it just gives me great hope and great gratitude to go, like, God loves us no matter how messy we are. Like, no matter how far you feel you are from God, no matter how bad you feel like you failed, if God would send Jonah to the Ninevites, he'd rescue anybody. And so we just see God's heart, his relentless pursuit of people. This is the extent of his love and the extent of his mission to reach. We see that, but would Jonah run to God's call or would Jonah run away from God's call? Well, most of you know the answer. What did he do? He ran away. We see that. He rose, he fleed to Tarshish. You know what that is? He went to Spain. Like he went out of his way to say no. Like God said to Jonah, I want you to go about 500 miles north up to Nineveh. uh, Jonah says, no, I'm going to go about 2,500 miles west. I want to get on a boat. Is this not a picture of the human condition, right? God's saying, hey, like, I just want you to be faithful. And you're like, no, I'm going to go that way real far. And so Jonah says no to God. He was disobeying. He was defying. He was avoiding. He was running. God called. He did not run to the call. He ran away from the call. This was not a good moment for Jonah Now, here's the interesting thing about Jonah. Jonah was a prophet. It says here, when you you look at uh, verse 3, he says he paid the fare and went down into this boat to go with them to Tarshish to get away from the presence of the Lord. As a prophet, I'm sure his theology was intact. I don't think he was trying to get away from God's omnipresence. He knows God's everywhere. He was trying to get away from God's face. He was trying to get away from relationship. He was trying to put distance between him and God relationally. So his theology was intact, but his sense of obedience was not. How true is that for us? Look, you can have amazing theology, but if you don't have obedience, what good is that? And so you see here that Jonah was not going to obey. He was going to go out of his way to disobey, but he couldn't run from God. I wonder what he felt like as he counted his coins out on that dock, <laughs> trying to go to Tarshish. Now, want you to pay t- special attention to this, when you think about the narrative of Jonah, Jonah was running away from God. He went down, he lived up by Nazareth, he went down to Joppa, paid some money to go into the ship, which went, and he went down into the ship, and then later, as we'll see, he got in trouble, the ship got in trouble, he got down into the belly of a fish, and which went down into the ocean. You now, a huge observation when we run from God, which direction does it take us? <laughs> Down. Some of you are going like, how did I get where I'm at? Well, <laughs> it probably started with disobedience to God somewhere. Like, how did, how did I trash my marriage this bad? Well, where were you saying no to God? How did, I trash my, how did I trash my relationships this bad? You probably were saying no to God. Like, every time we say no to God, no to God's way, guess where it's going to take us? Down. Whether that's eternity down to hell, or that's just relationally and the quality of the life that we live. It's just going to take us down. And so let's learn from Jonah, you know, again and, and, and again. Smart people learn from their mistakes. Wise people learn from the mistakes of others. Let's be wise and learn from Jonah not to say no to God, because some of you are probably still running right now. And God's calling you. The question is, are you going to Run to the call of God, or are you going to run away from the call of God? Now, here's the thing. We see a little bit about who Jonah was. We see a little bit about Nineveh. We see a little bit about what Jonah did. Here's the thing. Why did he run? Most people don't take the time to think about like, what was in his heart. See, running wasn't the issue. His heart was the issue, right? When we run from God, whatever, whatever area we're running from God, that area is not the real issue. Our heart's the issue. Jonah had a heart issue going on. So let's look a little bit about why he ran. So let's start with this. Imagine you're an Iraqi Christian and you live in Mosul. And after watching ISIS come into your town, after you watch them absolutely slaughter all the people around you, God calls you to travel to Syria or maybe to Afghanistan to share the gospel with ISIS leaders and fighters. How would you feel about that? What would you struggle with with that call? Would you desire to run to God's call to do that? Or would you be tempted to run away from God's call to do that? See, now we get a little bit of a peek into the heart of Jonah. See, sure, Jonah was afraid. Ninevites were bad people. They were were cruel, brutal, monstrous people. But that wasn't his biggest issue. His issue was he knew that God would rescue some of those Assyrians living in Nineveh, and he couldn't handle that. Jonah was staring down the barrel of God's grace, and he realized how deep and wide and long and high the love of God was and that he's relentless in his pursuit, and he's sitting back going, wait a second. He probably knew people that were taken and tortured and killed. He saw the nemesis of Israel, the the Syrian people from Nineveh, and all of a sudden he's going, you want me to go to Nineveh? You want to extend your grace to them? No way. I mean, think about the person that you've hurt the worst, or I'm sorry, that's hurt you the worst. Do you want them to be saved? Do you want them to experience everything that God has? Like when you think about the man who perched himself in a room in Las Vegas, Like, I know how I feel about that guy. It's hard for me to wrap my mind around the fact that God loves that man. That God loves him. And God had a different plan for that man. No matter how evil the actions he had, I I have no good feelings for that guy personally. Somehow this God we love still would extend grace to even a guy like that. And so he was staring down the barrel of God's grace, and here was the reality. Jonah was being greedy with God's grace. Jonah was being greedy with God's grace. Hey, I've got God's grace. I've got forgiveness. I belong to the covenant people. The people that are important to me have God's grace. No one else matters. Guys, let's not get blinded by the fact that we do that. We come into a relationship with God. feel so good to be forgiven. We love being forgiven by Christ. So glad I have God's grace. Hey, my kids are coming up to know Jesus. And the people that I know and love, they know Jesus. This is great. But outside of me and outside maybe some of my friends, I don't care about anyone else. They don't matter. The people that hurt me, they definitely don't matter. Like that's being greedy with God's grace. And God has called us to represent his grace and communicate his grace to others. And he was calling Jonah to go. And Jonah was elevating his own reasoning above God's. God, I know better than you. Even more dangerous, and this is something we definitely fall into, Jonah was prioritizing his own feelings over God's call. How guilty are we of doing that? Well, I don't feel like obeying. Well, I don't feel like this is truth. I know the Bible says it, but I don't feel like I like that. What happens is that's a very slippery slope when we take our feelings and prioritize them over what God has said. And so our feelings have to come into submission to God and obedience to God. And that comes when a faithful heart will run to God's call instead of away from God's call. And so let's not be people who run from God's call and then justify when we're doing it. Whatever area in your life you might be running from God, man, you've got to get yourself in check and decide you're going to run to God's call, not away from God's call, whether that's for salvation and forgiveness of your sins, whether that's for submission to areas in your life, whether that's for how to answer his call to be part of his mission. Now, the reality of Jonah and the message of Jonah is reinforced by Jesus. Jesus uses the example of Jonah when skeptical and religious people were testing him. In Matthew chapter 12, you can turn there and look on the screens. Verses 38 through 41, we see this. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him, Jesus, saying, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. But he answered them, An evil and adulterous generation seek for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet who? Jonah, he's not talking about a myth here, right? He's referring to a person. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the son of man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here." See what Jesus is doing? He's using Jonah as an example to explain the gospel to people who live later. And now we live even later than that. We come back, we can look back and see this whole narrative. And so there's these people saying, hey, Jesus, we want to see you do something. We want to see you do something. Give us a sign. He's like, you want a sign? Why don't you unroll your scroll? Look at Jonah. Just as Jonah was three days, three nights in the belly of the fish, I'm going to go to three days in the grave. And so I love how God does that. God takes something here that he knows is going to happen here, and he ties it together. And then we get to look at it and go, wow, God's amazing, right? And so Jesus is pointing back, going, you want a sign? I'm going to die on a cross as a substitution for all of man's sin. All the Ninevites' sin, put on Jesus on the cross. All of Jonah's sin, put on Jesus on the cross. All your sin, my sin, nailed to the cross with Jesus. And then he was put in the grave for how many days? Three. Just like Jonah was in the belly of the fish for... Three days, Jesus is going, check this out. I'm going to be in the grave for three days, and then I'm going to rise. The resurrection. And then, of course, he even points to the future resurrection. Wrap this around your mind. You're Jewish. Here's Jesus, and he's pointing back to a story that, that you look at and you read as near and dear to your tradition. Yom Kippur, they, they, they read from the book of Jonah, the day of atonement repentance, This is important to them, okay? And so they're like, yeah, we know about Jonah. And then he says something (laughs) that just makes them mad. Because if you're Jewish, you're Israeli, and you know the history of Assyria and Nineveh with Israel, and then Jesus says, Ninevites are going to be raised at the resurrection and be part of the condemnation of the earth because some of them repented. How mad would you be in that moment? And so they can't wrap their mind around such a great salvation. And obviously, we don't know how many Ninevites repented, but some repented at Jonah's preaching, and there's going to be Ninevites in heaven. That's the extent of God's love, that's the extent of God's grace. This is amazing. But Jesus is saying, but there's someone here even greater than Jonah, and you're looking at him. Jonah was just a foreshadowing. Jonah was just a type. He was just a glimpse of something that I'm going to do. And so that's when we look at the beauty of the cross, look at the beauty of the resurrection. Look at the beauty of the future resurrection. If you don't know Christ, he's calling you to him and to believe upon his death on the cross, to believe upon his resurrection for forgiveness. He's calling you to that. And so you need to run to that, not, not away from that. And so Jesus is bringing that home. But not only does Jesus invite us into relationship, he also invites us into his mission. What was the mission of Jesus? He states it very clear in Luke 19.10, and this is the theme verse for our whole Unleashed campaign. Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save what? The lost. Why did Jesus come? Out of God's love, he came to seek and save the lost. And if you're lost, and if you don't know forgiveness from God, if you don't know relationship with God, Jesus came and lived and died and rose so you can have that. Will you run to it, or will you run away from it? And once you know Jesus is Savior, whether you're only one day old in the faith or decades old in the faith, Jesus has drafted you into his mission. If you call yourself a Christian, a follower of Christ, you've been drafted into the mission of Jesus to seek and save the lost. That's now why you exist. That's number one on the list. When you look at the two boats, yourself or Jesus, he's calling us into this boat to live for his mission. And we feel that wrestle. Uh, I, wanna, I, want, I want my kingdom, really. But your will be done. When will we surrender and answer God's call to be faithful to him? You know, before I answered the call, to full-time ministry, I was wrestling. I'm gonna tell you right now, Jesus made good on his promise. And he's given me a joy in my life that mere happiness would have touched. And so for me, maybe it was full-time ministry. You know what's so awesome? So many of you, most of you, are not gonna be called into full-time ministry. Some of you might be. Some of you might be running from a call to be a church planter, a missionary, a pastor. Stop running from it, run to it. But there's so many of you, most of you, that God's not gonna call you into full-time ministry. He's gonna call you into a lifestyle of ministry. You're gonna reach people in the marketplace that people in full-time ministry like me will never reach, we will never get an audience with. Like we're all called to be missionaries. So if God's calling you to be that missionary in your neighborhood, in your workplace, in your school, are you running to that call or away from that call? We've got to answer that call. And what I love is that when God calls us, he doesn't call us to be renegade people that are rogue by ourselves. He calls us into a community. He called me to a we. He calls you to an us. So the body of Christ, we answer the call to go help seek and save the lost, however God puts on our hearts. You know, when I think about Vegas, when you think about 9-11, you think about the life of a first responder. And if you're a first responder in this room, we're so grateful for you because the life of a first responder is when there's danger, when there's harm, we run in when everyone else wants to run out. And you think about those guys that were running in to the concert area to save lives and to, say, you know, to save people. You know what? As Christians, God has called us to be spiritual first responders. We are to run into the world, to our neighborhoods, to the nations, into the next generation, in our workplaces, everywhere, everywhere with the gospel. We're spiritual first responders. That's God's call to us. Will we run to it or away from it? And so the most recent articulation of that for us as a church is this Unleashed campaign. As a church, we want to keep taking hills for Jesus. And we've been feeling this draw and this call to say, we want to do more. But it's hard to run. It's hard to answer God's call and run when you're weighted down. We've been weighted down by debt too long. We have mortgage debt we want to get rid of so that we can run faster and longer and stronger. And so we're carrying about $1.4 million debt from our mortgage. We're going, man, we need to free that money up. But we don't just want to free that money up. We want to advance with it. And so the whole uh, summary of Unleash is this. We want to raise $2 million in two years what we're going to do is for every dollar given above our tithe, this is a sacrificial giving initiative, every dollar raised above our tithe is going to unleash, and every dollar is going to help either um, go toward our neighbors by eventually planting campuses closer to people that need the gospel, by helping translate a Bible. We're going to translate a Bible for the unreached people group that we've adopted in Indonesia. Just think how cool it is that you can open up the Bible or a Bible app and see God's Word. There's an entire group of people, one of many, that they don't have God's Word in their language. If they were to open the Bible, they've got nothing. It's blank. And so we want to help translate a Bible for, for people in Indonesia, and we want to go after the next generation by freeing up those funds in our budget that will allow us to take some of those funds and increase what we can invest into the next generations because we want to be continue to be proactive in reaching the next generations. And so this is the way that we're answering the call to unleash our resources. That's what this is about. And so paying off our debt will allow us to strip that weight and be more aggressive in how we can run to answer God's call. Now, uh, with that, the whole big idea we're wrapping our minds around today is this faithful heart running to God's call, not away. The three applications that are going to come out of that are very specific. I'm going to just run us through three applications. One, if you're here today or you're watching online and you don't know Christ is your Savior, The way you want to run to God's call is basically say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for my sin. You confess your sin. You say, thank you for Jesus dying and raising me. I want to believe. I want to follow. And you take that first step and say, please take me. I want to follow you with my life. And you just tell God something like that. And if you do that here, if you're online, send it in an email saying, connect at CVC online. But if you're here, take out that response card. And on that, there's a a spot that says, receiving Christ. Big X, circle, underline, smiley face, all capital, whatever. I'm giving my life to Christ. And turn it in at the end of the service. We want to follow up with you and say, here's your next step to grow in this relationship as you're running to Christ. If you're a believer, man, whether you come to CBC or not, maybe it's just like you're running somewhere in your life. Where are you saying no to God to? Like today's another moment where God's saying, stop running away and start running to. So in repentance and surrender, Run to Christ in the area that you've been saying no to him in. But as a church community, if you call CVC home, we're asking you as part of running to God's call is to fully engage in this Unleash campaign that we're launching. So let's take a look at this uh, companion guide for a few minutes to help give you more information. Again, type A's, have probably read it four times now. Um, I just want to, I'm not going to read this whole thing. There's a bunch of summaries here, but on pages three and four, we've elaborated a little bit more about the three initiatives that are part of this campaign. What do we exactly intend to do with our neighbors, and what does that mean about campuses and things like that? Uh, What does it mean to go out to the nations, and what does the Bible translation look like, and how are we trying to do that? And then also with our next-generation ministries, how do we intend to use that? On pages 7 and 8, you'll find uh, frequently asked questions. Some of you have great questions already. There's a possibility we've already... uh, uh, tackle those questions. If we didn't, feel free to get in touch with us, and we'd love to answer any questions. You'll look on page 12. We're going to have what's called a Commitment Sunday uh, a, month from, uh, a month from now, November 12th, or November 5th. Sorry, November 5th. On November 5th, we're going to ask you guys to come after weeks of preparing and processing how God wants you to be involved to give a commitment to this two-year endeavor. Uh, this is when I get to share something just mind-blowing and exciting. So we've been working for months on this, months and months and months. And as we slowly engaged our body and our team, we just went to a cross-section of our leaders because we believe that leaders go first. And we ran the Unleashed Vision through some of our leadership and through some of the people who've just been faithful at a leadership level and and got feedback from them and engaged them and asked them to go first before our body so that even today we can have a pre-commitment before full launch. And so here we are sitting here on today, going okay. We're kicking off this initiative to raise two million in two years. As of right now, based on a group of leaders that have gone first, we already have over nine hundred and thirty thousand dollars committed toward the goal. That's mind blowing. We're already almost fifty percent there. That's absolutely. That's a celebration. We're already almost fifty percent there. And we're just kicking it off today. So I truly believe with all my heart that God is going to exceed this. I believe we're going to see more than $2 million come in, and I think it's going to happen in less than two years. Call me crazy. I just believe God's going to do that. And so um, we want to see that Bible translator. We want to see more resources going toward Next Generation Ministry. We want to see our impact to uh, our neighbors in Northeast Ohio at a greater level. And So be praying and be processing because November 5th is going to be a similar day like Jonah. <laughs> How are you running two? God's call. Also, huge part of this is on page 15 and 16. We're asking you to pray. Look, this is a move of God. Only God provides the resources. Only God provides the vision. Only God's going to provide everything. So we have to be very faithful as a community to pray. And so be praying with us over these prayer targets about how God's going to call us um, to, to unleash our resources for greater impact. So here's some uh, prayer examples. You can pray for more than that but that'll give you uh, an idea of how you can be praying for this campaign over the next two years. And of course, the last pages are sermon notes. So that's what we're doing. Also, along with this, we're staying in all our life groups right now. All our life group leaders have sermon-based study guides that go with Jonah and the Unleashed campaign. We're asking all life groups to meet every week for the next five to six weeks. And Get into Jonah, get into Unleash and see what God's gonna do in your life groups. Every week, we're gonna be producing um, personal devotions uh, on our website and our social media that you can use in your personal devotion time. Last week, we handed out this great little book called The Treasure Principle. It's just a, a way to read and understand God's heart and principle for resources and ours. And so if you weren't here last week and you don't have one of those, get one in the foyer, they're free. They're just yours for the taking. So that's where God has us right now. I do want to say thank you. It's just so cool that we get to have these kind of conversations as a church because people are coming to faith in Christ. People are having their lives changed and transformed and experiencing new life. And it's because you guys already faithfully contribute here. And so this is something that's the next gear. This is over and above tithe. This is above and beyond trusting God for the next two years for even a greater work. And I just want to say thank you for what you've done and thank you for what you're doing because it's already making a difference. Now, It's it's very easy for you to hear from me because you expect it coming from me and from our staff. But I just wanted you to take a a chance to hear from another part of the body, Uh, a brother and sister in Christ who we engaged earlier on, who've been praying and processing about engagement. And they've been so excited about this. I said, well, can you just share in front of the body? And they said, sure. So I want to invite Matt and Sarah to come up and just share with us a little bit about how they've been processing this and what's been exciting to them about the Unleashed campaign. And they can share that as as you guys are processing too. So thanks, guys. Thanks for sharing again.
1: Hi, everyone. I'm Sarah. This is Matt. Um, I have been coming to CVC. I guess I'm kind of a baby. I've only been coming here for five years. Um, Matt's been here for nearly 10. And we've just really planted our roots here. This feels like home for us. We've, We've fostered some really wonderful relationships. Um, and we just really stand behind what CBC stands for and, and their mission, and that's reaching the, the least and the lost with the gospel. Um, so we were really lucky a few months ago when Unleashed was brought up to us, and we got to hear all about it, and we were excited about it, and we prayed over it. Um, but when we sat in that initial meeting, what really touched my heart was reaching the nations. Um, I haven't gone on a on a um, global missions trip or anything like that, and it's something I hope to do one day, but haven't
0: gone yet. Yet, have gone yet, haven't
1: gone yet. Um, <laughs> hopefully one day that that will happen for us, but um, it, it reminded me of about a year ago, we were invited, we had the opportunity to have dinner with T and K, who some of you may have heard um, about, they've spoken here before. They are missionaries um, living on Pearl Island in Indonesia, and they are there, trying to spread the gospel to the Soli people. And this is a people that largely do not know Jesus. They've never heard of his name. They don't know the gospel. Um, And their culture is way different than what we have here. And that's a huge task for them to to spread the gospel. And our missions trips are doing great work too. And I felt so inspired hearing um, stories of people committing their lives to Jesus, people being receptive to the message. How amazing is that, that they live in this culture that is pretty much opposite of what we have here, and yet they're listening, they're hearing, God is working in their lives. And yet I also felt um, compassion and nervousness and fear for them because, you know what, they hear the message, word of mouth. It, you know, they, take, they may take it home with them, but they might not. They're going back to families and friends and jobs where that's not preached to them. And when we heard that uh, the, we could have a Bible for them in their own native language, how amazing is that, that they can take this tangible thing with them back to their homes, and they can study it, and they can read it, and they can share it, and that makes all the difference. And as Christians, we are called to seek the lost and lonely, to run towards it, not away from it, and to share the gospel. And this is a way that we can save so many people's lives and and bring the gospel to them. So I just urge you to really pray on that because what a difference we can make just here at CVC um, so that was my take on on the nation's part of it but Matt has um, something to say about the other two parts
2: so you'll uh you'll have to bear with me this is a 13th inning victory friday night <clears> That's <throat> what that it's what that sounds like okay so um uh you know I, I echo exactly what sarah said and and god's word is something that has become that we've become so passionate about and um just how that is so critical to your spiritual growth. And and it, it's just, it's so awesome. And to think about a people group that that can't even engage in that way, it uh, just breaks our heart, really. Yeah. I mean, anybody who's been in, in one of my life groups knows how, how passionate we are about God's word. And like Bill knows. He's, yeah. <laughs> but anyways, so not only that, but... um you know, so often we talk about taking risks about engaging your community or engaging your neighbors and uh, life houses and whatnot. And yes, we are. That is extremely important that we do that, that we that we witness and that we, you know, that we go out and we reach those people. And they desperately need us to tell them about Jesus. But on the flip side, we desperately need them to follow Jesus, to help us grow, to help be in our community together, to fellowship together and to just to just come alongside of each other. This is a tough race. We need each other. So we need as many people to follow Jesus as possible with us. And so in closing, you know, this, this whole campaign isn't about investing your money in CVC. It's about investing God's money in his kingdom, which offers a guaranteed return of like 10,000%. That's, that's, it's, it's awesome. It's mind blowing. and, but that that return is only possible because of God's faithfulness to us. It's only possible because of His faithfulness. So, I'll ask if if you will respond faithfully to the one who has been faithful and will always be faithful to us, the one who has given us everything in His Son Jesus Christ, and uh, that I, I just I just charge you to uh, you know give faithfully, be faithful, respond respond in faithfulness. Um, because great is thy faithfulness. Great is his faithfulness to us.
0: It's grateful for you guys and your enthusiasm. We know other people in our church have already got on board with the same level of enthusiasm. And thanks for sharing that. I think that's an encouragement to all of us to hear how people in the body are processing this call. And so uh, we want to pray. We want to pray over this uh, today as, we're, as we kick out this initiative and get into a place of response. I want to invite you all to stand. Uh, we're going to stand for prayer. We're going to stand for worship as we're going to uh, worship through music. Um, man, I'm going to ask you to open us in prayer and pray for us, with us, over us, and I'll close us in prayer, and uh, let's just take this all to the Lord.
2: Oh, gracious and heavenly Father, man, thank you for the good Father that you are. Thank you, Lord, that you have given us what you have given us, that you have entrusted us with your resources, Lord. We just ask that you will continue to help us be good stewards of those resources, Lord, that you will... Um, that you will empower us to speak boldly in your name, Lord, and Father, I just lift up the uh the leadership of cVC to you Lord, I pray that they will continue to be obedient in seeking you, Lord, during this season of of our church and and Father, I just pray that you 'll grant them the wisdom to navigate us through these waters. Father, I pray for everyone in the in this room, all of the hearts here, and those listening online, Father, that you will just move in their hearts that you 'll speak to them um that, that, that they may hear, Lord, where you are leading them to be faithful. Lord, let us all run to this mission, Lord, because it, you are truth. You are ultimate truth, Lord, and we love you for that. We love you that you have opened our eyes and our ears, Lord. And we just pray that, that this whole time frame and this, this campaign, Lord, that all we say and all that we do, Lord, will glorify you.
0: We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. God, thank you that through Jonah uh, we can see that even the Ninevites had a chance for repentance because of your great love. So Father, I pray that first and foremost for anyone here watching online that does not know you as Savior, that doesn't know relationship and forgiveness through Christ. Lord, they would stop running away from you and start running to you starting right now. Father, give them the courage to do that. Lord, for uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, that have been saying no to you in particular areas of their life, the Father, today would be the day that they stop running away from you in those areas and start running to you, Lord. And, God, today as a community, as CVCers who are so grateful for 30 years of faithfulness that we celebrate because of you and your glory, God, we commit these next two-year focus to you, Lord. Thank you that it's not about money, but it's about mission. God, thank you. It's, about it. it's a mission to reach more of the next generation. Lord, we know the next generation is going uphill. The culture is just shredding these young men and young women, God. God, may we help stand in the gap. May we run in as spiritual first responders to this next generation, Lord, to help get them the gospel. God, for the nations. Lord, uh, just one of many people groups that don't have your word. Father, we can't change them all, but we can change one by your name. So, Father, take what we're going to commit and bring your word to life. Can't wait for the first solely person to hold a Bible in their hand with their heart language written down. Father, we look forward to that. And Lord, thank you for the neighbors that you've given us. God, we know that there are many people that need to continue to be loved on and served, Lord, with the gospel. Lord, we know there's people driving from afar. Lord, they'd love to come to CVC. They'd love their neighbors to come to CVC, but they're just a little bit out of range. God, help us to get to them, Lord, through new starts and campuses and things that can make a bigger difference. So Father, we take this whole initiative and we place it in your hands. Father, thank you for the faithful. Thank you for the faithfulness that will be seen over the next couple of years. God, multiply the resources for your kingdom and for your glory. We ask in Jesus' name, and we all sit together, amen. amen. Thank you, guys, so much. Thank you, guys.